can tell the youth directors are on this side of the room. They got energy, everybody. <laughs> so I hope you all had a good weekend. Thank you, Jesus. And uh, how many love living in Arizona right now? This is where you take all your pictures and you send them to all your friends and family in the Midwest or wherever, right? Because we are living at large in this weather. But I'm so glad you're here today, and I know God has a great word for you, amen. We started, well, first of all, we have Easter coming up very quickly, guys, and we're only four weeks away from Easter Sunday, and so I want to start challenging you to start inviting your friends and families to church, amen, um, to hear the gospel of Jesus. I'm starting a new series on Easter Sunday called I Am Jesus, and we're we're going to take four weeks and study about Jesus. Amen. So this is an incredible topic to get your friends here so they can learn about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Our goal is to get them saved, get them healed, and teach them who they are through Jesus Christ, right? So I want you to start thinking about who you can invite. Um, we're going to have wonderful things for the kids and all of that, but really the reason why we're doing that is to get them in here to hear about Jesus. So let's get them invited. Amen. Let's pack out our church and just do something fun for Jesus. But um, we are starting part two of a new series that I started last week called Different. Um, how many of you were here last week for the kickoff series? So if you were not here, I encourage you to jump online, take 35 minutes while you're traveling or cleaning, and listen to the uh, teaching. And anyway, you should be doing that every week because you don't really catch it all while you're in a service. So take advantage of the Word of God. But um, I'm teaching this series on being different as a church that we learn to stand out, that we are not like the world. Amen. God has called us to look different, respond different, and be different. And so last week we really talked um, at length about different in our faith and trials. And y'all love that teaching because you just, you pulled the preach right out of me. Like I went, I went home and I felt so good because y'all just preach right back at me. But today I'm going to talk on a topic that probably is a little challenging and the, the, the way that I believe God wants us to live different, I'm talking about values in an unholy culture. And I'm not talking this morning from the perspective of legalism because I don't believe in that. I think wherever there's legalism and the law, you find hidden sin. So I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit and that God does want us as his kids to live different than the world lives. Amen? So I'm not trying to be sin conscious and throw all these awful sins at you. I don't believe in that. I believe we have the voice of the Holy Spirit. He's good enough to convict us of the areas that he wants us to be different in. Amen? And I believe God is calling his church to be different. And there has entered into the kingdom of God, unfortunately, the culture has said everything is acceptable, and we do come as we are, amen, but not everything is acceptable in the kingdom of God. We come into Christ, and then God begins to transform us, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to break the stigma that God doesn't challenge us with conviction because he does, and we're going to break down the scriptures for that, amen? So let's dig right into this today. Um, we have to remember last week we learned that this world is not our home, amen? We are just passing through. God gave us a beautiful world to live in and enjoy it in, but I don't measure my life in this world because I'm just a sojourner. I'm just coming through, but I have an eternity. We're going to live in heaven. Amen. God has called his church and his kids to think kingdom-minded and not earthly-minded. He wants us to see the eternity. So whatever you're facing in this world or whatever struggle you're going through, it is so little in the eyes of God. And God has called us to be different. Amen. We're just passing through. This world is not my own. Thank you, Jesus. So when you know that you are different, you begin to live a different value system in your life. 
You begin to have different values in your family and how you're raising your children and how you're responding to your spouse and how you want to be a better partner or be a better leader in the kingdom of God, how you want to handle your finances different, amen, how you want to manage your time. It's so beautiful to me that God brings the church together and people are saying, my time I'm giving to the kingdom because I'm not living for this temporary, I'm living for the eternal. And you guys volunteer your time and you set it apart and the world may say that's crazy, but you say, but I'm different and that's okay that I'm crazy, amen? It's okay if they label me weird because I'm weird for Jesus, thank you. Amen. I may be a flake bake, but that's okay because I'm flaky for Jesus, you know. At some point, we want to stand out from the world and we want to be different and not religiously and not being judgmental and critical, but letting our light shine for Jesus, showing the transformation of God in our life from the inside out. And that's what we're going to talk about, not trying to fix things on the outside because that's so temporary, but allowing the transformation of the Holy Spirit to change us on the inside. When he changes you on the inside, he changes the outside automatically. So when you try to live the law, you can never fulfill it. You'll be discouraged, you'll grow weary, you'll throw in the towel, and you think God wasn't there for you, church didn't work, the Bible didn't work, and God said, actually, I didn't call you to be holy on the outside, I called you to be holy on the inside. And it's that personal relationship with Jesus which we'll talk about. So as you remember, we're studying in 1 Peter in this series, and Peter was writing a letter to the persecuted Christians, and remember, they went through so much, and he even put more persecution on them, uh, Emperor Nero, and you can learn about that by listening to last week. But let's find out what Peter has to say in the scripture today. Peter is talking to these uh, hurting Christians, and he says, therefore, whatever you're going through, therefore, with minds that are alert. Now, stop right there. That word alert means focused on eternity. God is saying whatever you're seeing, whatever trial you're going through, whatever struggle that you're facing in this world, God says keep it on eternity, right? Because there's victory when you know that there's eternity. And he's saying be fully sober, means have your right mind, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. He's saying, listen, we as his people have something to rejoice about. I may have this thing that God wants to get in my business and deal with my junk, but I'm focused on the return of Christ. Because how many know Jesus is coming back again? And he's coming back for his bride, amen? He's coming back for those that have fully surrendered to Jesus and given them, given him their awe. But it goes on to verse 14 and it says this, how do I do that? As obedient children. Now, I want to stop right there because we hear that word obedient, and doesn't the hair in the back of your neck just stand up? Because <laughs> we think of obedience as something so legalistic, and then there's these set of rules that I've got to do, and I'm not holy, and I'm not righteous. And that word obedient is not about rules. That word obedient actually means I'm compliant to God. It means that I'm attentive to hearing him right? It means that I'm submitted to him. So as believers in our journey with Christ, we come as we are, but God says, I need you now to be attentive to my voice because I want to change some things on the inside of you. I want to change some of your patterns of behavior. I want to change your addictions. I want to change those pitfalls in your life that are always tripping you up. And you may be sitting here today going, well, I've just accepted this is the way that it is. My grandma dealt with it. My great-grandma dealt with it. Everybody in my family dealt with it. This is just the way that it is. But when you have Jesus, that is not the way that it is. You are different. You have Jesus living on the inside of you. We can make different choices, and we can make different value systems. And it doesn't mean that because you decide to make them, you're going to have victory right away. But you're going to set the standard. You're going to set the value for your, your family. When my parents got saved, as we were going 
going to church on Sunday. There was no question. That was a value that was set in our family, right? And it created now the generation of our legacy. So he's saying, I need you to be obedient. God, our prayer needs to be, be as believers. God, give me ears to hear what your spirit has to say. Our prayer needs to be, search my heart, O God, and make it true. Search my heart, O God, and make it more like you. If there's any area in my life, God, that is holding me captive, if there's any behavior or addiction or things that you truly want, I'm giving you permission in 2020 to get those things out of my heart. I want to be free once and for all. I want to live according to the kingdom and not according to the world's standard. Amen? The culture of the church has said, everything's acceptable, right? Everything's, every, we, when what has happened in the kingdom of God and where pastors are losing their boldness and their courage is to say that everything's unacceptable and it makes me happy and it makes me feel good. When in fact, that's not the truth, is it? And we have done a disservice to the kingdom of God that God says, come as you are, but God's also going to change you. God also wants to change your behavior. He wants to change your choices in your life. Amen. It says, do not be conformed to the evil desires or the lust you had when you lived in ignorance. See, there was a time when we didn't know better. There was a time where I didn't have the voice, the Holy Spirit's conviction. But if you've been serving the Lord a certain amount of time, the Holy Spirit is knocking on our door to change some parts of who we are. Amen. Not to make us uh, super religious, but to make us better for him, to make us complete in him. Amen. There needs to be a conviction of the Holy Spirit in our life. I've always said this, if I don't have the Holy Spirit's conviction in my life, I'm a little nervous. Because why is it? Why is it that I don't have an inner voice of God leading and guiding me in my life? Again, not being sin conscious, but allowing those things to fall off so I can be more like Christ. So as obedient children, I don't conform to my evil desires, my, my fleshly things in the past. But verse 15, but just as he who called you is holy. Who is holy? Jesus is holy. So be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, in other words, God looks at each of you individually. He knows where you're at and where you need to find freedom. He says, in the midst of what you're going through, live out your time as foreigners, right? Here in reverent fear. You have to remember, this is just a moment I'm passing by this world that is not my own. But while I'm here, I'm going to live in reverent fear of the Holy Spirit or God in my life. And it doesn't mean it's the gavelin. I think I got the word right. Gavelin. God's not up there going, you, you loser. You failed again. You know, and, and that law. No, I have a relationship with God. And because of our relationship with God, now I desire to please God. And I have a reverent fear that I want to bring honor to God. And I would never hurt the heart of God on purpose. See, when you're in a relationship with someone, there's a value now that I don't want to hurt you on purpose. I'm not going to let anybody talk against you, right? I'm going to value my marriage. I'm going to value my children because of a relationship. And that's how we become holy in God is because I value my relationship with him. Not the law of how I have to measure up, but my personal relationship with Jesus. And the holiness comes from the inside and begins to come on the outside. It's like those Transformers. You guys love the movie Transformers? I love him because of Mark Wahlberg. He's like my Hollywood crush. And I know he's married, so it's just like a Jesus crush. It's not like a super serious, lustful crush. <laughs> 
I promise. But anyway, but Transformers, you know, they're these little compact cars, but when it comes time for battle, what do they do? They start busting out. They grow, they go 50 feet tall. There's like this greatness on the inside of them that you better not mess with them. That's the God in you. You may feel small and you may feel insignificant, but because I'm different, greater is he that's in me. I can rise up against temptation. I can rise up against addictions. I can rise up against behaviors. Why? Because I am different. And because of God in me, he has called me to be holy like he is holy and God would never ask me to do something that I'm not capable of doing and it's so important as believers we start transforming in the image of the church because the church looks like the world today it's not a popular message to say live holy and I'm not talking about living in rules because we will fall short of the rules I'm talking about allowing the God that we love to change us allowing our behavior to be surrendered to God. God says that we're a living sacrifice. It's time for the church to start laying down some of the worldly behavior, laying down how we look like the world and start being the church of Jesus Christ. Amen? There's something about walking with Jesus. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. And the greatest obstacle that I believe for the kingdom of God and for believers today is that we have this desire to fit into the world. And as I was writing that down and I was taking my notes, I, I actually wrote down underneath it, yeah, we have a desire to fit in, but we also have this desire that we don't want to stand out. We're afraid to stand out. We're afraid to stand up for our faith. Why? Because the bully of the world is telling us that everything's acceptable, that if I stand up for the word of God, people are going to get their claws out and begin to attack me. And I want to be the believer that says, go ahead and attack me because I'm going to stand out for Jesus. I'm going to stand out for my faith. I'm not going to be critical for other people, but I'm going to stay true to the word of God, and I'm going to be like David, and I'm going to sling, take my little stone, and I'm going to stand and trust my God is greater than Goliath that's trying to shut the mouth of the church from living righteous in the kingdom of God. God is coming back for his bride without spot and wrinkle. We are his bride. He is calling his bride to arise in righteousness. Some things have to begin to fall off in our life when the Holy Spirit begins to challenge us. Amen? It's not about the law. But God says, I'm not calling you to fit into the world. I'm not calling you to look like the world. God says to be in the world, but don't be of it. If we're hanging out with our friends. That's awesome. There's nothing wrong with that. As long as our goal is they're going to see Jesus in me. At some point in that conversation, I'm going to share my faith. At some point, I'm looking for a moment, I'm going to pray for you. When my parents got saved, it was BYOB, bring your own bottle, before they got saved. They were the party house. But the moment they gave their life to Jesus, it was BYOB, sneak attack, bring your own Bible. And when my dad got saved, he said, I'm going to live different than the world. And I'm going to tell the people that I'm around, I love Jesus. Jesus changed my life. Look and see what he's done for me. And God wants to do it for you too. And you know what? Everybody walked out of that basement but one man. And that one man gave his life to Jesus. And we don't know the fruit of that one man. But we've got to be willing to be bold and courageous and stand out from the world. We're not called to live and look like the world. Well, you know, I just need to be like him. No, you need to be different. You need to be different at the work side. I know in my walk with God, very young, people don't come to me and gossip. Even when I was 16, 17, people didn't come to me to gossip. You know why? I'd put them in, your, in their place. 
I had a friend who wanted to dump in my ear all the time, the pastor this, and the church that, every time I did it, and I loved her, and she was my friend for years, but I had to look at her and say, listen, I love you, but if you can't stop gossiping, I can't have this friendship. Why? Because I have a value system. You're not going to dump in my ear and make me feel, because all of a sudden I'm looking at my pastor going, you know what, she right. I started seeing that, and I'm like, wait a minute, no, you don't get the right to affect me and what I want to see in life, right? Because I'm different. I'm letting her know I love you. I'm not being self-righteous, but I'm not going to have those conversations with you. You're not going to talk about the world with me. You're not going to tell me dirty jokes. Nobody's going to be comfortable to do that in me, right? They didn't do it when I wasn't a pastor, and they're not doing it now. Why? Because I have a value system. You have to look different than the world. And again, it's in love. It's telling people in love, let that light shine. But guess whose door they're going to knock on when they need God? Look at that, that, that man, she don't go partying with us after work. She don't go to the bar with us after work. She don't listen to the dirty jokes. She just kind of does her thing. She's got this thing, I don't know what it is, and my marriage is broken, and my child's lost on the street. I'm going to go over and find out what's going on in Susie's life because I need what she has. That's why God wants the church to look different doesn't say perfect for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God, but we are aspiring. God, I'm getting rid of the junk in my life. Amen. And if God has to separate friendships for a while, he separates friendships. You let him do that. Why? Because he's trying to bring the holiness of God in your life. Amen. God does not want us to be normal. Amen. The Bible says this, wide is the gate right? Broad is the road of the path that does what? Leads to destruction. We are doing a disservice to the church and we don't share to them that the rest of that scripture says, but small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. Listen, the culture will say where everybody's doing it, it's acceptable and all these things. And God is saying that I don't change. The culture may change, but my word never changes. We don't change the word for the culture. Things are acceptable in the word, but we have to stay true to the word of God. What does the Bible say? And I'll not be removed from that truth. Amen. We can't be afraid of these conversations. We got to be willing to stay bold for Jesus in love. Amen. And why would you want to be normal? Normal people are stressed out. Normal people are anxious. Normal people don't have answers. Normal people are depressed. Why would we want to be normal when we, God has called us to be different. God has called us to have his power. God has called us to have his authority. I don't have to be broke, disgusted, and busted as they say. Amen. I am blessed coming in and blessed going out. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I have the great I am on my side, and whatever I'm facing is already under my feet. I don't have to be bound and addicted and angry. I don't have to have any of those things, amen, because I have God on my side. I'm going to be different. Thank you, Jesus. I shared earlier, my parents were first-generation Christians, and there was something about my parents when they got saved. Everything became different. We went to church. My parents began to tithe. They began to serve in the kingdom of God. My dad made a decision that his family was going to be different. He wasn't going to look like the world, talk like the world. He was called to win the world. Now listen to this. Because of his sacrifice, me as his child did not have to go through so much struggles. I didn't have to take so much territory that he had to take. I, I automatically followed into being different in my life because I saw my father model it in front of me. 
If you're a first-generation Christian and you are taking your territory, thank God. You need to be excited that you are paving a way for your children that they will never have to go through and fight for what you have fought through in the kingdom of God. When you live different, your children will follow in and live different automatically. But I had to come into my own relationship with Jesus. See, something about as I was raised and, and, and raising, helping with Samaya in my life is you can't put values in people. You can't put values in your kids. My parents could show me values, but they couldn't put them in me. But the one thing that they could do is they taught me to follow Jesus, and they taught me to have the courage to be different. The courage to be different changes everything. That is the elephant in the room, that as the church, we have to have courage to be different. My, my little goddaughter, she's so, well, she's not little anymore. She's like almost six foot tall. <laughs> but she's been in my life since she was five years old, and she has an awesome godly mother. And, and so in Maya's life, she would come home from school. I think she was 11. And she came home from school, and how many know kids learn stuff at school? And uh, her little friends were talking about stuff, and she learned something that she should have never learned ever especially at this age, and she just opened up and was sharing with her mom and I about what it was, and like my toes curled in my shoes. You ever have those conversations? You're like, how does she know that conversation? And I was so upset that she even knew about it. It was just stuff she shouldn't know. And of course, her mother had an incredible conversation with her, and really, she's an incredible mother spiritually and led her so beautifully. But the next morning, I got up also, and I just was troubled. And so I met with her, and I said, you know what, honey? I said, why do you think the girls were so comfortable having that conversation with you? You know, why was, it, why was that so comfortable? I mean, 11-year-olds, everything's uncomfortable, right? This is challenging conversation to have with 11-year-olds. And I told her, I said, you know what, honey, do you think you have the courage to sit your friends down and explain to him that, them that that's really a conversation you don't want to have? Like, that's just stuff you don't really want to talk about. And, you, don't, you know, there's so many other wonderful, fun things that they can play and have fun that, you know, I just don't want to talk about those kind of things anymore. Could you do that? And she's like, yeah, I think I could. So I had her repeat it all back to me. And I'm like, I can't wait till she gets out of school. Like, I want to know all the details. Did she do it, you know? Because I just felt like, man, she was so challenged. And will she have the courage to do it? So she comes bouncing out of school, and I got her. And the and first thing I asked her was like, honey, did, did you have that conversation? And she's like, yeah, I actually did. And I'm like, give me all the details. Like, I want every word said, you know. Well, what happened was it ended up raining that day. So all her friends were in the cafeteria. And she took them around a table, and they sat down. And she said, I just want you to know that conversation we had, I didn't really like it. And it wasn't comfortable for me. And I don't, like, I don't really like talking about that stuff. So if we couldn't do that anymore. And the little girl goes, yeah, I didn't really like it either. We shouldn't do that anymore. And the other one, yeah, me either. We didn't like it. I was so proud of her. She took courage to be different. And you know what? It made her stand out. It made her become the leader of the pack now. Now they're going to, I didn't think, well, let's not let her hang out with those kids. How many know she's going to hang out with those kids anyway? And then we talked about secret sin. Does what? Or secret, yeah, the law, secret sin. So I can't pull her from the world, but we can teach her to be brave and courageous in the world. Brave and courageous. Now those girls know her standards. Now those girls know she loves Jesus. And she can still run around and have all the play, but she made a difference. Amen. Teach your kids. We should have the courage to make a difference. And you know what? We have to teach ourselves. Be courageous to be different. Have that hard conversation. Have that conversation, amen, of, of who you are in Christ. Set the standard in your life that is pleasing to God, amen. Pleasing to God. 
Thank you, Jesus. So let's look at this uh, scripture verse in 1 Peter 1, verse 14 again. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil lusts or desires you had when you were ignorant, when you didn't know better, right? When you haven't grown yet, when you weren't accountable. He said, don't fall back to them again, verse 15, because as he who has called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Now, something I want to disarm in the kingdom of God and the church is we have this idea that God has called us to be happy, right? Jesus has called me to be happy. So if I'm happy, I need to be happy in all that I do. And, and, and that's great. We have messages and they make us happy. Like last, last week, y'all were happy, right? I have courage and faith. But God has not called us to be happy. He's called us to be holy, and there are sometimes in our holiness when God sets us apart, it doesn't make us happy and it doesn't feel good. And it's not always a comfortable place to stand out because you may be rejected. Family members may not understand you, but God has not called everything to feel good. He's called us to happiness or to holiness. Why? Because what? Happiness comes from what? Happenings. So I'm happy because this happened and I'm happy. So what happens in our walk with God when something happens that isn't good? Now what do I do with that? Because I think, well, God wouldn't want me to be in this situation because he wants me to be happy. So what do we do? We would do everything we can to get out of this feeling that maybe God put new wineskins on us to make us uncomfortable, but I don't want this because I don't like this feeling, so I'm going to be happy. So now I'm going to cast off all restraints and I'm going to go to the world and I'm going to pull from everything that's going to make me happy. I'm going to pull from money, money, money. I, I got in debt. Now I got to pay my bills. Now I got to go because money's going to make my family happy, right? All these things that we think are going to make us happy. And then what happens when you have this theology of happiness that God always makes you happy? Listen, it empowers us personal justification. God wants me happy so I can have this. I can justify this because I'm not happy over here and this makes me feel good. And it's not walking in holiness. It's walking in happiness. And what is that? That's the world that leads to destruction, right? So let's say we're not happy in a marriage, right? There's some struggles that you go through in relationships and marriage. So I'm not happy. God wants me happy. This marriage isn't working out. I should have never done it. So now I'm going to go have an affair because it's going to make me feel happy. And I justify it. God doesn't really care because this isn't any good and I can't divorce or whatever. But now I'm going to have this because it makes me happy. And God says, wait a minute. I didn't call you to be happy. Sometimes God will align things in our life that make us unhappy. He'll break relationships off. He'll say no to certain things because he's saying, I need you holy from the inside out for what I've called you to in the future. Amen? It's not comfortable, is it? Not comfortable conversation. But the truth of God's word, amen, is what we need. When we believe that God wants us happy above all else, listen, when discomfort comes, when risk or suffering, this possibly can't be the will of God. So what do we do now? I need to pursue happiness, which is false gods, right? I need to pursue the comfort or the pleasures or the things of life to line up with happiness. It's not the will of God. We think God wants us to be happy. God wants to give me everything to make me happy. And we think this, that God, happiness is this, God exists to serve me. We think that makes us happy. God exists to serve me. God needs to give me a helpmate. God needs to pay off my debt. God needs to. God needs to, right? All these things, God needs to. And God is saying, I don't exist to make you serve you. You exist to serve me. That's why we exist. 
And listen, when you reroute that, and we know I'm existing to live for God, now this internal transformation begins to happen. And then guess what? Now I'm happy. Now I have the joy of the Lord that is my strength because I'm allowing God to transform me on the inside out. Amen? We don't exist to serve, or God doesn't exist to serve us. We exist to serve God. God is calling us to be holy. Everybody say holy. Now that word almost seems like a religious word, you know, but the Bible, if you, if you study out the scribes and Pharisees, they, they seem holy, like that seems religious. Like people will say when you're trying to have your life right and live right and live for God's conviction, oh, they're just religious, right? Oh, they're just religious. But really in the Old Testament, scribes and Pharisees were religious because of their pride and their selfish ambition. But if you study out the word holy, it means religious, so the enemy has brought in righteousness as, oh, you're just religious. No, I'm holy. I'm living a life that is different. That word holy means set apart. It means consecrated. It means blameless. It means more morally blameless. If there's ever a generation that needs this empowerment, it's right now. That they can live different. Do you know that this world is the, the worst time raising children as far as what they're exposed to. But you know your children can serve God because they're going to live different. You can challenge your children to live different in this world. And I spoke to our youth on Wednesday night, and this Generation Z is going to bring in the revival of the church. There is no doubt in my mind. Because they're going to change the way we do church, and I don't know what that's going to look like, but you watch that young generation change the way we do church because they, they're not sure about the way we do church right now. They want an encounter with God. Listen, and I talked to the youth about this Wednesday night, but if you study uh, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we all know the story, right? They were pulled from the tribe of Judah, which Judah is praise. Judah is the, the house of God, right? And so the, the king was looking for uh, healthy, good-looking men, and he pulled them from Judah and brought them into his kingdom. He said, I'm going to teach them the Chaldean ways. I'm going to teach them the laws of our land. And, and these Christian boys who knew the law came in, who knew better, and the first thing that the king wanted to do was do what? Change their name. See, what does the world want to do? The world wants to pull us out and change our identity. Cause us to forget who we are. Cause us to forget that we're the righteousness of God. Cause us to forget that we serve a living, risen Savior. Change our name. Right? But what did Daniel do? Daniel did something so incredible. When he was brought into the, the temple, he said, he talked to the Lord. He said that Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not be defiled by the king's delicacies. What does that mean? You've got a young man coming from the church, going to the world, temptation, everything that's there, right, all that we face. But Daniel said, but I'm going to draw a line. It means I prepared in advance before I get there that I won't do this. So when he got out of his father's shepherdhood, when the pastor wasn't there, when the youth pastor isn't there, when mom and dad ain't looking, he already had a value that says, I won't do this. I'm not going to be defiled by the world system. And he made a stand. And as believers, and that's why I challenged our young people, what is your value system? You have to choose it inside here. Because whatever's out here will not last. When you're in the middle of whatever you're going through, you're going to cave into your fleshly desires. But if I have a desire that says, I will not do this in my life, I will not tolerate this in my life, when the temptation comes, because my internal value has it, it will say no, because I'm going to live different. When nobody else is looking, and guess what? When Daniel was thrown in the lion's den because he knew who he was, those lions couldn't devour him. 
and he brought God glory. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was thrown into the, the fiery furnace, they were untouched by the world. Why? Because God was in them. When you know your values, you can go through the world unscathed and unharmed when you know your values. Amen? It's time for the church to know our values. Not to be religious, but to really set a standard. Why? Because the devil is roaming like a lion in, our, in the kingdom of God. He's sneaky and he's subtle. Did God really say that you can't do that? I mean, does the Bible really say you can't have sex before marriage? Does the Bible, thank you for that, it's true. The Bible does say that. But you see how that is whittled into the church. Oh, it's a new time. I know a friend, of, not a friend, someone I know that is in ministry with a girl, travels the world, hotel to hotel, ministering, living together, not married. And I'm like, oh, well, what does your parents think about that? Because they're like big preachers. Oh, well, he knows the times have changed in the church. Really? Because God's word has not changed. God's word has not changed. And, and this is not about, please understand my heart. This is us aligning to the word of God to find freedom, right? Because true joy comes into really finding freedom in Christ. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. We have to understand this today. There are a lot of people that are high-profile believers, and that's okay. They can do their life. But listen, the people are not the standard. I don't care how popular, how big their church is, how many followers they have on Instagram. They are not the standard. Because some of that I'd love to have a conversation with them. Why? Because we're leading a generation down a road that is wide. When God has called us to lead a generation that is narrow, and it's tough conversations, and it's unpopular, and it may not be liked sometimes, but it's what God wants us to do, amen? It's his truth. So the, people are not the standard. Listen, the word of God is our standard, amen? I want to lead, lead this with you today. I'm going to close on just a couple more things. Some questions. You can take a screenshot of the screen. I think all the questions are on there. These are some homework I want you to do. This is how serious that I'm taking this, that I want God to search our hearts. Number one question, what is three areas that I struggle with the most of trying to fit in? What is three areas? And not just fit in. I'd like to change that. Maybe you're afraid to stand out wherever you're at. What are the three areas? Let the Holy Spirit talk to your heart, amen? Number two, when was the time I put my happiness above God's call for holiness? Can we identify that? I'm sure I have a few points, bullet points I can write underneath that one myself. What are the biggest ways that I'm different from the world? Can you identify those in your life? Can your children identify those in your life? Amen? Listen, we're not perfect family units, right? My, my family was far from perfect. But when it came to different in the kingdom, it was a very clear difference. And number four, what is the area that God wants me to be different and this is the area that I'm asking you to talk to the Holy Spirit. Say that prayer. You know, Lord, search my heart. Is there an area that I've been living this lifestyle and you want me to change? Is there an area you're trying to get a hold of my heart? Is there a behavior that I truly need to lay down and you want me to be different? Because listen, coming to church and hearing the word is not enough. You have to be doers of God's word. Amen? We need to look and be like the church. Let me close with these last couple points. Living holy, and this is so important, I want you to hear this. Living holy is not the path to knowing Christ. Living holy, trying to make all these rules and regulations, is not how you know Christ. That's the law. 
right? And remember the law we can't fulfill, legalism, I'm going to have secret sin somewhere, right? But knowing Christ is my way to holiness. Because the more that I'm in relationship with him, the more that I'm in his word, the more that I'm in worship, now he begins to work on the areas of my life. And now he begins to transform from the inside out. Listen, when you are under the law or, or the uh, holiness before Christ, you say things like, I wish I could do that. You know, I don't get to do that anymore. I have to do this. All those things, right? That looks like fun, but I can't participate. But when you are in a relationship with Jesus, you say this, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to live according to my flesh. I don't want to disappoint the heart of God. I want to have conviction. See, when you're in a relationship, you have a desire to live holy before the Father. Thank you, Jesus. You want your life to glorify God. Listen. As the church, we live for the audience of one. You live for Jesus. You make your choices for Jesus. You make your value system for Jesus. Not what the world says, not what some Christians say, but what does the word of God say about our standards in our life, amen? We live for Jesus, and we need to say, I'm proud to be different. I'm proud that I'm the mom that my kids don't like sometimes. I'm proud that I'm saying no to a cell phone because it's going to damage your soul. I'm proud that I'm taking Instagram off your phone because I'm realizing it's stealing some joy in your heart. I'm proud that I'm the parent that's the mean mom that you don't get to run with everybody and I say no sometimes. I'm proud. Why? Because I'm watching out for the souls of my kids. I'm proud that my kids come to church kicking and screaming sometimes on Sunday because I know I'm saving their soul. Amen. You need to be proud to be different. We have nothing to be ashamed of of the church of Jesus Christ. We should look different. We should talk different. Amen? Not perfect, but we should be different. Because different will attract the world, the people that are around us to want the Jesus that's on the inside of us. Amen? They'll be drawn to that. So listen, I'm not talking about behavior modification, right? It's not about behavior modification. I'm talking about spiritual transformation. Spiritual transformation. That's what God is calling his church to, amen? I want to become more like Jesus. I want to live a life worthy of his calling. Amen? Listen, it's not about trying harder. You can never try hard enough to live for Jesus. But it's about being surrendered to his presence, amen? I believe the church is calling us back to this holiness, this voice, amen. I believe if we want to see this revival, which I believe is coming, God is calling the church back to repentance, amen. Not sin conscious, but repentance. The areas that God's troubling you in, amen. The areas that God's troubling me in, all we ask God, give me ears to hear and give me the ability to obey you. That's all that God is looking for, amen? Amen. Go ahead and stand to your feet. Let me release this prayer over you. Father God, I thank you for this incredible church. I thank you for the safety in this house that they allow the purity of your word to penetrate us, Lord God. I thank you, God, that our church is not ashamed and we're not afraid to speak boldly your word. And Lord, right now, any areas that they feel guilt, condemnation, and shame in the name of Jesus, we just release it off of them, Father God. Lord, we're never going to feel good enough. We're never going to measure. But God, we can surrender to you. 
And I just ask, Holy Spirit, you have your way in every one of us, in my heart, God, continually, in our pastors and elders, our leaders, our everyone, God, down to everyone who may be listening. We want to have your convicting voice. We want to live righteous and holy, God. We want to live pleasing in your sight, not one way in your house and another way out, God, but we want to live according to your word of God. By your spirit, by your word, and by relationship with you, we release this now to everyone here, Father God. Change us. Let us lay down those things that we know we need to let go, Father God. Let us not selfishly hang on to things, but let us surrender them to your Holy Spirit once and for all. Thank you, Jesus. I just uh, see that there's some that are hanging on to certain things that you're afraid to let go because you don't know what the other side looks like. You don't know the resolve. And I just hear the Lord say, just let go by faith, and God's going to work everything out. Don't try to figure it all out. But the Lord says, just by faith, release whatever you know God's surrendering, asking you to let go. God's saying, just release it. Because you've been in this place of unhappiness anyway. You've been in this place of unfulfilled now. And God's saying, if you'll let it go, I'll bring you to the place of peace and joy. I'll restore it back to you. If you'll just trust me and let things go. I speak grace, grace over everyone that's in the precious name of Jesus. I'm going to ask everyone to uh, keep their heads bowed. We want to make sure everybody has an opportunity to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. This is the most important step we can take here today. It's a confessing that you need Jesus, a confessing that you're in need of a Savior. And I want everyone to repeat after me. Say, Dear Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin, of my habits, of my behaviors. I'm choosing today to live holy, to live upright, and be obedient to your spirit. And I thank you for releasing me. Give me joy, give me hope, and give me ears to hear your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, with all eyes still bowed, if you're here this morning and the Holy Spirit truly convicted you of some things and you got things right with the Lord and maybe the first time coming to Jesus, just raise your hand and put it down all over this room. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for that hand. Father, we just thank you for the work you're doing in our hearts. Thank you for the work you're doing in our city, in our church. And we just release you, Holy Spirit. Release you now in our community, in our lives, in our families. Build this church on the rock of the word and the revelation of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Everyone said amen and amen. Give the Lord a great big praise this morning. I love you all so much. We'll see you Wednesday night, 7 o'clock p.m. Dr. Paul's, that's her. Let me finish, y'all. Got a bunch of leaders in the room. Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, Dr. Paul's doing Second Timothy, which has been awesome. Get your family here tonight, team night. Love you all. God bless you.
Make his face shine upon me.